Hello and welcome to the My VA Dayton podcast coming to you from Dayton, Ohio. This is the show where we talk with veterans in the Western Ohio region to share their stories and share what's happening at the Dayton VA Medical Center. I'm Scott Lease, your host with co-host Greg Tucker. And we have with us today a Vietnam-era U.S. Army veteran, Hollis Melson. He served as a telecommunications specialist during his service to our nation. Some of the places included various Army bases in the U.S. where he received his advanced telecommunications training before being deployed to Germany. Hollis had many opportunities to travel serving his country. Upon fulfilling his obligation to Uncle Sam, he turned another chapter in his life. This chapter focused on pursuing his passion of being part of the music scene of the era, Prior to being drafted after high school, he had been part of the band called the Majestics, who later became the gold-record, world-renowned funk group known as Sun. This afforded him more travels, a chance to perform his passion of playing bass guitar, and influencing other musicians to come. Welcome to the show, Hollis. Glad to be here. And we are so thrilled to have you here with us today. Before we get to know a little bit more about you, we're going to put you to the test. Okay. That's right. It's time to play Don't Tell Me, I Think I Know That. This is the game where we put our guests to the test of their knowledge of military trivia. A game where our listeners can play along to see if their minds are mired in mounds of military minutiae as ours are. Are you ready to take that challenge, Hollis? Ready to take that challenge. All right. Super. Well, here we go. Here's your first question. Do you have to be a U.S. citizen to join the Army? Would it be A, no? Or B, yes. No. That's right. That is the correct answer. No, you do not have to be a U.S. citizen. Uh, You can join the Army if you're a resident alien also. So uh, good to know for those folks out there who are not a U.S. citizen, have an interest in becoming a a member of the military service, Mm -hmm. head down to your recruiting station now. Uh Okay, here's your second question. What renowned musical group, Pershing's Own, is the official band of what branch of the U.S. Armed Forces? Would it be A, Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders, B, the Army, C, the GWs, or D, the Drum and Bugle Corps? The Army. That's right. Absolutely. The United States Army Band was established on January 25th, 1922 by General of the Army's John J. Pershing, Army Chief of Staff, in emulation of European military bands he heard during World War I. In its early years, the band was featured on RCA, CBS, and the Mutual Broadcasting Network and other networks. The band also completed four national tours between 1928 and 1931 and was noted for its professionalism during a trip to Spain for the Ibero-American Exposition of 1929. Now... Here's your third and final question. You're batting a 1,000 right now. Let's see if you go all the way. Let's do it. What light utility vehicle replaced the Army Jeep? Would it be A, the Striker, B, the Water Buffalo, C, the Humvee, or D, the Cadillac Coupe de Ville? The C, the Humvee. That's correct. 
Yes, the Humvee replaced the Jeep and can be configured as a troop carrier, uh -huh. armament carrier, shelter carrier, ambulance, tow missile carrier, or scout vehicle. Greg, so tell us what Hollis has won for playing our game today. For answering all those questions correctly, we have a set of four Dayton VA industrial strength chip clips designed by NASA's aerospace engineers to keep your chips crisp on your next stellar space journey or wherever you may be traveling in the near future. All compliments of the Dayton VA. Okay, Hollis, we're going to take a quick break now, okay. but when we come back, we're going to hear more from you okay. about your music career and other adventures in your military service. Okay. Hope, where are you hiding? I search for you in the seconds, the minutes of each and every day. Hear me as I call out to you. Take my hand. Lift me up as I lift up others. Welcome me home, father, mother, sister, brother, son, daughter. Hear us now. Alone we stood, divided we fell. No longer. Now we choose to make the connection. Our new mission lies within. Visit maketheconnection.net to learn more. And we're back with U.S. Army veteran Hollis Melson. So um, in high school, you started playing with the band The Majestics. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience there. Well, uh, I had been... So I started out playing gospel. In church? I don't, in church? Yes. I have no idea how I got with the Majestic. All I know, I was there one day. <laughs> I don't know who put the one out that I knew how to play the guitar or anything like that. So did some other guys come in and say, hey, we got this band we're putting together. Come play? I'm guessing, because we're all in the same school, the, the first practice that I went to, I don't really know how that came about. I just, I, I ended up there. It might have been a guitar player, might have known me, because I had had some dealings with him. Yeah. And uh, he was the only one that I knew in the band at the time. And so uh, I'm guessing that's what happened. Somebody, they needed a bass player, and somebody said, well, how to play bass, we'll get him. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, you know. <laughs> Anybody who knows you, uh, knows your history, knows that uh, you love creating music. And um, now that Dayton is known as being the funk capital, I mean, you were around when, when yeah. all that was happening. Yeah. Um, tell us tell us about that. Tell us about your experience about living here at that time when, when funk was becoming the thing. Well, of course, we didn't know that it was becoming the thing. <laughs> we were just playing uh i think that the thing about us was that uh we was kind of playing it differently than people before because initially it had been like rhythm and blues mostly you know and then you got people came along just playing what i call rock you know it was different and so uh 
I'm because a lot of the bands that came after us, like Slave, Lakeside, all of those bands, they're not rhythm and blues bands. Sure. Which we was not rhythm and blues band. We was initially, but somebody told us. But you're creating your own sound. <laughs> yeah, we was creating our yeah. own sound. And uh, and that's, I learned that from them because I was trying to be like James Brown. And, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know it, but they wouldn't let me, you know. Yeah. They said, Hollis, you got to do it your way. Well, and I wouldn't even listen to a, a song that you, like, like we're going to play some song, you know, and they want to listen to it, learn how to play it. No. Right. <laughs> well, so when you le learn music, you know, you learn and you play you. Right. Well, that's how art's created is, yeah. is expressing yeah. yourself and you're doing it through your instruments. So, um, you know, you were here during the the creative the funk craze. Mm -hmm. um, but have you always been here? Have you always lived no, here? No, no. I came to Dayton to visit the year 1962. I just come here to visit. But I can see that I had more plans of staying because I didn't ask my mother, could I come? I didn't ask my father, could I go? I told my father, I said, I'm going to Dayton. I said, you can whoop me, beat me, do anything you want to do. <laughs> where are you coming from? Carrollton, Georgia, okay. near Noonan, Georgia, where Robert Ward and all these other people are from. Oh, Robert from Ward. Robert Ward, uh, uh, I think Little Richard, I think uh, Otis Redding, I think all of them are from that area. Yeah, so um, you're coming up here to be part of the scene? Well, no, I just came up here to visit my mama. I had okay. I had had a guitar, but I wasn't really wasn't playing at the time. When I came to Dayton and they let me stay, and I was begging my stepdad for a guitar because I didn't have no money to buy no guitar, and I continuously buying them. So my my mother finally talked him into buying me the guitar, and he bought it, and, and he played it more than I did, <laughs> <laughs> and so and I just kind of fell into that. Cause I'm a, a from a music family. Mm -hmm. My mother sang. My cousin is lead singing for Lakeside. My other two cousins are with Slave, and the uh, guy Bo Hannon is my cousin. And uh, I think Roy Miller is my cousin. Wow! And so, and my I have a cousin in Atlanta, Georgia, named Roy Lee Johnson, who was like the blues king. And he wrote a song, at least one or two songs for the Beatles. I don't know the song. So it's really, if you didn't have talent, some, somebody would be questioning, why don't you have talent with all that other talent in your family? It's obviously well, in the genetics. Well, some people have it and some people don't. Yes. You know, uh, I kind of, like, I, I got a, some nephews and nieces. Oh, man, you think if I can play, you <laughs> do them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So one of the things, if I can follow up, once you had transplanted here to Dayton, uh -huh. uh, you started playing in school. That's where you came in contact far as with members of the Majestics, yeah. right? Yeah, I joined the choir at Roosevelt to you know kind of give me some music experience. Okay, now there was one of the uh, music teachers here that a lot of famous or renowned artists from this era that they. Uh, Mr. Spencer. Mr. Spencer, right. Mr. Right. Spencer had all of us, but Lakeside, he had all of us. Right. Went through him. Right. Now, with that, who taught you how, or who was your influence on playing 
your instrument, your particular instrument? Uh, I was, I liked Motown. Okay, so that influenced you? Yeah. Huh? Okay. I liked the temp, because we had a singing group. We did Temptations. We did a lot of Temptations. I'd be, we had initially did James Brown. Then we got the singing group, you know, because, you know, you usually play whatever singers sing. So they were singing the Temptations, and I love the Temptations, you know, because they got those, you know, they got the bass intros. <laughs> Oh, the the Funk Brothers. Yeah, they got those bass intros, you know, or whatever they have. Mm -hmm. Some intro, you know. And so, uh, is that what made you decide to play the bass? No, I was. We all had guitars. <laughs> I had a guitar. Marshall you know, with Ohio players had a guitar. Booster Collins, he had a guitar. But they, it was so many guitar players. Nobody didn't need no guitar players no more. So they said, "We need a bass player. We got to have a bass player." <laughs> and so we had to all switch <laughs> to bass. And the guy had told me, say he said, he said, man, we need a bass player. I had a lead guitar. He said, man, we had a, need a bass player. I said, man, I don't know how to play bass. He said, man, I can show you how to do it. I said, what? I said, man, if you can do that, let's go. Nice. <laughs> the guy nice. said, well, I can do it. The guy took me over there and showed me about two or three songs initially. And I've been playing ever since. Just like that. And I didn't know C minor from C major at the time. And I didn't go, I went to St. Clair later and learned, you know, about music. But initially, I didn't know C minor from C major and I traveled all over the world. Yeah, well, it's done you well. So tell us about your experience with playing uh, with Sun. Well, Sun, that was a unique experience. I got to do some things that I would have never imagined, you know, like playing at the Apollo on the show with James Brown, of course, you know. But we was at Apollo with James Brown in 1978, you know, I was kind of, he was kind of in the middle of the beginning and the end of all of the great things that he had done, you know. So at the time we was at Apollo, it wasn't that big, but uh, some of the unique show. I think one of the best shows that we ever did was in Oakland, California, when we first went to California, at the Oakland Coliseum with Booster Collins, George Clinton, Parliament, and Funkadelics, and all them James Brown guys was there that night. Cause James Brown was working at the time. You know, you had Mesa, Yo, St. Clair, all those guys, the baddest guys in the business. <laughs> all of them at the same night, you know. And I guess. I never thought about all these great guys that I'm up against, you know, because in my head, I probably <laughs> not wanted to go, you know. So were you starstruck by them or were they just like part of the part of the gang to you? No, or That was the that particular night was kind of like part of the game because I never seen nothing like that before. And I never seen nothing like that after as far as the, just the, the love and the, everybody not trying to. We just having fun, playing and just having fun. Nobody trying to outdo the other and nobody concerned about who the best and all of this and that like people you know normally do, you know. And it was just <clears throat> one of the greatest, and that was my first trip to California, one of the greatest experience of all times. Hmm. I said, man, I sure wish I had the video that, that night of that show that night. Now, part of your history also, you recorded at, King Records, right? Recorded the King Records, Chess Records, and Capitol Records. Mm -hmm. 
Now, one thing I, I know in your conversation you were saying, you also are confused a lot of times with playing with the... Ohio players. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, uh, three. In my original group, the Majestics, it was six members, where three of them went to the Ohio players. You know, the, the, the drama, the leader of the Ohio players, now Diamond, started playing with the Majestics. And Clarence, the guitar player with the Ohio player, started playing with the Majestics. And the trumpet player, who's no longer there, he started playing with the Majestics. And so, yeah, I had played with all those guys years before they went to the Ohio players. And then they have some had some advertising out one time that they use our picture, the, <laughs> the open eye low. Because they was the one that was in the Ohio Players, and that's why people was thinking I was in the Ohio Players. Because <laughs> they, they had had these pictures of me with them, uh, you know. And I, I had told them one time, I said, I'm going to have to sue y'all. People going on here thinking I'm in the Ohio Players and think I got money and they ain't going to rob me and give me. And here I am broke. <laughs> Well, hey, when the business they say no, uh, no publicity or any publicity is not bad publicity, right? Yeah. So, good for good for publicity, good publicity for you, anyway. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, tell us if you could um, a little bit about your military career. Where where were some of the bases you were stationed? Uh, okay. I started at at we got uh, process in at Fort Campbell, and we. Went to Fort Knox. I went on. I went in the military on December seventh, nineteen sixty-five. I didn't know about that at the time. <laughs> and uh, went to uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. So we was only there for about a, a week uh, before Christmas came. Cause we came home for Christmas, <laughs> and uh, I had some knots upside my head and. <laughs> I'm getting this fight. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I had a bust of lip and everything when I came home on the military. Now, did you join right after high school or? No, what happened when I got, for as I know, when I got my military papers, my military paper wasn't filled out completely. They didn't have no reporting date or reporting place or nothing on my military papers. And so when I first got them, I didn't really pay no attention or whatever. And I had got them in the summer of 65. So now we had Thanksgiving of 65. We had went to Toledo to a family. And I was telling my stepdad about these papers that I have. And so my stepdad got the papers and looked at He said, boy, these are draft papers. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. He said, you need to go down there Monday morning and, and take care of this. I said, okay. Monday morning came. I went down there Monday morning, and they fell out of the papers. I had to leave Wednesday. Oh, wow, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was quick. <laughs> and so I came back and told everybody, well, so I had to go to, down to Georgia visit, visit my daddy before I left. Because, you know, I'm going in the military. You don't know if you're coming back or not, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, it just just hit me just like that, you know, because mm -hmm. I didn't really pay no attention to those draft papers. And, and the draft paper was blank for as I can remember. Hmm. So And why, I think they tricked me. Okay. So why did you join uh why did you choose the uh career field telecommunications? I didn't choose that. They chose that for me. 
Because when I took my test in Cincinnati that morning, we left Dayton with the Cincinnati across the, from the park down there in the federal building where we got our shots. That's where we took the test and all of this and that. And when I first took my test, I didn't want to go to the military. I had just marked, went down the thing and marked X's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so they came and got me and they came and got me and told me, put me in the room and told me, said, he says, he said, first of all, he said, you're going to the military. He said, I don't care what you do when you get there. He said, I don't care if you share them or no. <laughs> he said, you're going in the military. He said, what I'm saying to you is uh, we're going to give you a chance to take this test again and you, that you should do the best that you can do so you can be the best that you can be, which made sense to me, you know. Uh -huh. It made sense to me. So I went back and took the test again. Then they come out and tell me, I'm in telephone communication. I'm like, y'all must have the wrong guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never had no idea that I, I could do nothing like that. You know, I just, my confidence wasn't too high at that point, you know. It's all and attitude. I, and, I, and I went on and, become, of course, became one of the best telephone communication people that they had, of course. They're not testing your knowledge. They're testing mm. your aptitude. And obviously, <clears throat> they, did a, they did a good job with uh, giving you the right job. So Yeah, and I loved that job. Terrific. Yeah, I loved it. And <laughs> people, people always thought that I went to college to learn how to do that. You but, know, but you learned it in the yeah, you, through your service. On a, yeah, on they, the job training. They, yeah, they give you the training yeah. for it. So, yeah. <clears throat> Tell us about some of your uh, uh, base experiences as far as deployment experience. Deployment, well, let me say, I first went to uh, Stuttgart, Stuttgart, Germany. That's the, that's, it was called 7th Army. And Seventh Army was a unit that had had everything. It had what I don't know how many brigades. It had two or three brigades, <laughs> and they have everything: infantry, telephone, tanks, everything. And we had initially fought in 1940, Seventh Army, my 97th uh, Signal Battalion, but they was relieved. And they still on like train. They just train it and be ready. Right. Well, that was that was <clears throat> Cold War era, so it was still maintaining a presence there. Yeah. And so uh, we we was in Stuttgart for nine months, but just training. All we you know we just uh, do telephone communications and field wire in the woods, of, like field trips. We was we did a lot of field training. And then we go down to Mannheim and dong stop journey and, and do the same thing like that and, and otherwise all we do is go down to the motor pool every day and clean the vehicles <laughs> no. so was that your most memorable experience in the military your most memorable tour yeah. of duty or i mean i'm i'm assuming that there's lots of memories of pretzels and beer and in good times there in germany but um was that your most memorable Boy. The field trip that we had, I had telling you that Emmett had seen me uh was a was a pretty big day. Uh that day uh my sergeant had they wanted somebody to play the drums. And my sergeant, you know, he didn't know much about music and everything. 
he he had heard something about me being involved with music, you know, and he told him he volunteered me. <laughs> Could you play the drum? No, <laughs> no, especially back then. But so, that but that so day was it playing drums for the army band there? Or no, what? we're just marching that day, and okay. I was just playing the drums for the marches. It wasn't okay. no band; it was just me that I played the drums, and we was marching in a little field trip that we had that day. Okay. So the snare drum. Yeah. Okay. As opposed yeah. to the bass drum. Yeah. Just yeah. Boom, it's snare. Boom. And I and I boom, come down to that boom. day, man. I thought I was, woo, man. I thought <laughs> I was doing it. <laughs> I was. <laughs> and I thought I was doing it. I guess I think my sergeant might have thought I was doing pretty good too. Then somebody came in and told said, "What the heck was that?" <laughs> You know, and that's when it all came out. You know, that wasn't the plan when I should have been playing. I wasn't playing the military thing, you know, so. Now, you had mentioned that uh, you were doing your field trip and you met, and that was Emmett, Emmett North Jr., right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you play with him also? While no, Emmett, he... Emmett and I was in the same gospel group. Not at the same time, because Emmett was in the gospel group before I was. Because uh -huh. I came after Emmett and all those guys. Uh -huh. But he was... Uh, in the same gospel group and we kind of grew up together and we, you know, we was in the military at the same time. We was in California at the same time and mm -hmm. we was always near each other. Uh -huh. Now, did you play with him far as in the military? Because I know that was one of the things when we had him on here that he was talking about. Sometimes he would play for some of the officers for some of their events. He well, we, I played. mostly just played talent shows. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't have a band. So why not play in the Army's band? I never, that would have been really good if I had thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> if I had thought of that, that would have really been great. But I never thought of playing in the Army band. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. You know, my, uh, I wasn't that advanced, I would imagine, to play in the Army band. Okay, so what we're going to do right now, uh, Hollis, is we're going to go ahead and take a break. Okay. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about your experiences as far as with the Dayton VA. I was in the military. I didn't know that when I left, I was eligible for health care through the VA. I thought you had to be disabled or been wounded. Another vet told me I should check it out. Now I have the care I need at the Dayton VA. Don't wait another day to see how the VA may help you. I'm a vet, and it's my VA. Make it your VA today. Call 937-268-6511, extension 2159, to enroll, or visit dayton.va.gov. Our veterans put everything on the line to protect our freedom. We may never be able to repay them for their sacrifice, but we can show them just how much we appreciate all they've done. Every day, hundreds of people just like you volunteer to help our veterans. You can help by simply sharing your time, lending a warm smile, a supportive hand, or a sympathetic ear to someone who needs it. Everyone can do something to make our veterans know how much we appreciate their service. What will you do? And we're back. We're back with Hollis Melson, Army veteran. Now, Hollis, before we went, to break. You were telling us about your adventures as far as in the military. 
being all that you can be as a telecommunication specialist. Now, after your tour of duty, what happened? Well, <clears throat> we got out of the military. It was on Friday. I and they it was it was in New York where I got discharged. What was the name of that place? Fort Hamilton. I believe it was Fort Hamilton. They just give you a ticket and and buy. <laughs> they don't tell you. Where the trains, they don't tell you nothing, you know. That's I right. guess I guess they said they had trained you, you know. You should be, you should be able to ta take it from here. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they've made you a man of the world, so you should find your way in yeah, it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can find it. In it. They just gave me my day. I was on my own, so I ended up got the got the plane and came back to Dayton. And my brother was sitting a youth a, a organization called a Youth Patrol, where they train people. To get jobs and all this kind of stuff, and so my brother he talked about me all the time. Well, my brother Hollis, he in the military, you know, he do this and he do that and he do that, <laughs> he do this, <laughs> and so they had me lined up to go to work for the telephone company. As soon as I got home, I didn't even have to put in no application. I came home and they told me I was. I came home on Friday. They told me I was going to work for the telephone company on Monday. <laughs> oh, I was so mad. Because I wanted to have a break. I hadn't had no break in years and years and years. <laughs> and so I uh, went to work on Monday. And I think I got the back with the Majestics about the week or so after that. As soon as I got back. You know, playing with the Majestics again and got a job. So I was doing two things at once. Just ha like. Have oh. you had a vacation since? Oh yeah, I was a couple here and there. I, I was unemployed. <laughs> I was unemployed for twenty years. Oh well, that's a vacation, oh. all right. <laughs> but so, uh, you started working for the telephone company, right? Yeah, away. I worked for a telephone company, and that was great. I loved that. Started a alignment and worked te telephone installation and repair for five years, and then that's when the proposal came about that we was gonna go 100% music full-time, or we're going to work. So everybody decide we're going to go to music, and everybody quit their jobs. And uh, that was the end of the majestics at that point. Okay. And we couldn't change it to the overnight low because somebody had told us that R&B music was not selling anymore like it had once had back in the day of Motown. Now we're in the mm -hmm. days of the Three Dog Night and Blood, Sweat, and Tears and all these groups like this that's selling out everywhere. Now, yeah. what year, around what year? That would have been 73. It was going on in 72, early 70s, through that period. And so uh, we changed the name from the uh, Majestics to the Overnight Low. And then we started playing that type of music. And, we, and that was uh, 73 and 74. Things was was going good. We we thought, I mean, the music was going good. The money wasn't going good. And at the end of 1974, everybody was frustrated and kind of disappointed with things that had happened. And everybody left and said it was over. Oh. <laughs> and the guy said, he said he was going to put the group back together. You know, he said, the group is going to get back together. And so uh, that in 75, 
he got Roger Trotman and Lester Trotman went out here to Cincinnati and put some tracks on with Roger and Lester that ooh, that was slamming, slamming, slamming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and when I heard it, it just oh, oh, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to be a part of that. So what kind of genre was it transitioning into? Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's funk. It was funk rock or it was rock jazz mixture. As far as I was concerned. Sure. It was rock jazz and mixture. It's, and but it was something new. Yeah, it was that, something new. And, that, pe- and people loved it. Mm-hmm. People loved it. Because I remember, you know, when I was in Hollywood... Playing out there with Booster Collins and them and and they were doing all that fog and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing that, and they were there. <laughs> you know, but I, I did it, you know. Mm-hmm. And they was loving it, and we, I had a good time doing it. Now, as the music begins to fade, you would quit your job after coming from the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, your military provided you with skills, so that way you're able, in between gigs, you can feature, support yourself, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, so what happens when the music kind of slows down? What what starts to happen? Oh man, I was doing odd jobs galore. <laughs> I was doing odd jobs galore, man. I was painting houses and cutting grass. <laughs> Because uh, I always used to tell him, this guy, his name is, he, I used to cut grass with him. And I, I used to make $25, $30 or more cutting grass. You know, and I used to, man, I used to make $25, $30 cutting grass. You know, go play, <laughs> playing music. It wasn't bringing no money or whatever, you know. But basically, unemployed for a minute there, you know. And uh, somebody told me one day that I need to pay into <clears throat> Social Security and retirement. That the rate that I was going, it was going to be a bad situation, and I decided that's what I needed to do. And then at that rate, I started driving the bus, RTA bus driver. I'm a retired RTA bus driver. You know, and at that point, I wouldn't play no music because I didn't couldn't see driving the bus and playing music at the same time. Well, you know, that I, would be hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing what's paying the bills. And that was driving the bus, and it was it was when I got near retirement. I started, you know, I had to have something to do, and then all of this Dayton Funk stuff came out. Yeah. And I said, well, I can I can go and try to promote that and help promote that, you know, since I was the one that did it, and and you know that's kind of my legacy, you know. Right. And so you know you. You had a, a great career with the RTA uh, and a fantastic career in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell us, what led you to the Dayton VA? Led me to the Dayton VA. At the time, I didn't have nowhere else to go. I didn't have no insurance from the company or right. whatever. And right. So that was my only option for medical. Right. So being unemployed kind of made that opportunity available to yeah. you or, or made you aware yeah. that that's where you could get your health care. Yeah. Um, was there any anything that that happened that that you said, oh man, I didn't even know that was there for me, or did you did you wait that long to go to the VA for healthcare? Well, no, I literally went to the VA immediately because of what had happened when I got out of the military. 
Cause and the same thing happened to me when I went in the military. These those boots <laughs> had my feet, the bottom of my foot was so sore that I couldn't walk from those boots. Yeah. And the same thing happened when I, I was those lineman boots yeah. that I was wearing, and my foot got and so I went to the VA because I had insurance with my with the telephone company then, but. I don't know why I went to the VA, but I chose to go yeah. to the VA, and that's where I went, and I always went to the VA. Right. Well, those combat boots don't come with Dr. Scholl's lining, yeah. so they're, they're, they're known for sort of causing some issues. But, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's why I was asking. It's like, okay, so that, that you had some issues from, from your military service that, uh, yeah. that brought you to the VA right after you left the military. Yes. Tell us, tell us about your experience with the VA ever since then. <laughs> Well, I've had good experience with the VA. So it's good to have the VA yeah. plus your regular right. insurance. So, sure. So in some cases, because, you know, people may not know that you can still have your outside provider and at the same time utilize the VA as well. So overall, if you were telling another veteran out there uh-huh. who may not have uh, health insurance in place right now, Yeah, serve their country, what would you tell them as far as uh, why they should use the VA? They have some of the best doctors in the world, as far as I know. They got uh, good service uh, in the last couple of years. You know, things have gotten much better. And... I'm guessing they can take care of any problem medical that you got because they have so many people that they have to deal with and that they should be experienced all around on everything because, you know, many, many, many veterans with many, many problems. That pretty much covers everything. Absolutely. And, you know, and we agree 100 percent. And, you know, we want to also just uh, take a couple seconds here to say thank you, Hollis, for coming Mm -hmm. in today. Uh, You've been uh, a a great sport here sharing your uh, stories Mm -hmm. and uh, all your experiences. And just want to say one more time, thanks again for uh, coming in and, and sharing your time today. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your service, sir. With the signing of the PACT Act, VA now has a huge list of presumptive conditions attributed to burn pits or other toxins. They also have a new extensive list of locations where they presume these exposures occurred. With regard to presumptive conditions, the list includes brain cancer, gastrointestinal cancer of any type, glioblastoma, head cancer of any type, kidney cancer, lymphatic cancer of any type, lymphoma of any type, melanoma, neck cancer, pancreatic cancer, reproductive cancer of any type, and respiratory cancer of any type. Illnesses that are now presumptive include asthma that was diagnosed after service, chronic bronchitis, COPD, chronic rhinitis, chronic sinusitis, constrictive bronchiolitis or obliterative bronchiolitis, emphysema, granulomatous disease, ILD, pleuritis, pulmonary fibrosis, and sarcoidosis. Locations for presumptive exposure on or after August 2nd, 1990 include Bahrain, Iraq, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, 
Somalia, UAE, and the airspace above any of these locations. To find out more information about how the PACT Act affects you and your VA benefits, you can also visit VA's comprehensive website about the PACT Act by visiting va.gov pact, where you'll also be able to apply for VA health care or apply for or submit a supplemental claim for VA disability. Or you can always call VA's information hotline 24-7 at 1-800-698-2411. We want to say thanks again to our special guests for taking time today to share their story. We truly enjoy hearing stories from veterans from across the region and learning more about how they found care through the Dayton VA Medical Center. And as always, we want to thank our listeners for joining us and remind them if they are a veteran and are not enrolled, to enroll with the Veterans Health Administration to receive health care benefits through the Dayton VA Medical Center. It's easy and it doesn't cost a thing. You just need to be a veteran. The simplest way to start enrollment is to call our Enrollment and Eligibility Office at 937-268-6511, extension 4105. They can schedule an appointment for you to come to the Dayton campus or help make an appointment at one of the surrounding community-based outpatient clinics located at Springfield, Richmond, Lima, and Middletown. Again, that number is 937-268-6511, extension 4105. Veterans may also enroll by visiting www.choose.va.gov slash health. While there, you can choose from applying online or by phone or by mail. It's just that simple, really. As I said before, it doesn't cost a thing to apply. So what are you waiting for? Call us today. Or if you know of a veteran who is not enrolled, have them call to start taking advantage of this benefit. If you're a veteran, it's your VA. Sign up today. Join us again for another episode of My VA Dayton with the Dayton VA Medical Center. Our episodes drop the 1st and 15th of each month. I'm Scott Lease with your co-host, Greg Tucker. Thanks again for listening to My VA Dayton.